Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Founded in 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the greater Boston area and beyond. We are located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets, across from the Public Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Yes, I'll admit it, my job as a chaplain is often very sad. But I am also inspired by the love, grace, courage, devotion, humor, and insightfulness of most of the patients and families I meet. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, from the 23rd Psalm often sums it up for me. I walk most days in the valley of death with our patients. The work is a spiritual practice of sorts because I am reminded each day of how precious life is, how fragile life is, and how everything can change in just a moment and it is good to be reminded. The Dalai Lama, spiritual leader of the Tibetan Buddhist says, imagine a wide ocean with a golden yoke adrift upon it. In the depths of the ocean swims a blind turtle who surfaces for air only every hundred years. How rare would it be for that turtle to surface with its head through the golden yoke. The Buddha said that attaining a precious human birth is even rarer than that. When we train our minds to realize the importance of our precious human life and of its rarity, we decide to take advantage of it. In other words, precious and rare opportunities surround us and we should recognize their value. We have obtained this precious human form endowed with these special characteristics. If we were to waste it simply indulging in trivial concerns and trivial deeds, it would be sad. Precious moments do surround us and we need only to take the time to notice. So we need only to take the time to notice, but do we take the time? Another Buddhist teacher, Soigo Rinpoche, puts it this way. We tell ourselves we want to spend time on the important things of life, but there never is any time. Even simply to get up in the morning, there is so much to do. Open the window, make the bed, take a shower, brush your teeth, feed the cat or dog, discover you're out of sugar or coffee, go buy them, make breakfast, the list is endless. Helpless, we can watch as our days fill up with telephone calls and petty projects. With so many responsibilities, or shouldn't we call them irresponsibilities, our lives can seem to carry us away. We take our lives for granted, but death is real and often comes without warning. If you were given the news that you had a year to live, and I hope no one here has received that news. After the shock, what might you do differently? 
What might you want to finish or try or celebrate? The patients that I visit wish they had spent more time with their families and friends and less time at work or involved in other activities. They wish they had offered the most important people in their lives more of their love instead of keeping it for themselves. Lama Suryadas says, why do people hoard their love? Do they think they're going to run out of it? On the news this morning, I heard part of the song. I used a piece of it for our chalice lighting. And I looked up the lyrics, and I want to read just a little bit of it again. Sometimes we fall down, can't get back up. We're hiding behind skin that's too tough. How come we don't say, I love you enough? Till it's too late, it's not too late. Death reveals our relationships to be our most important possessions. The patients I visit with also wish they had repaired the relationships that had fallen apart, including the ones that fell apart for petty reasons, which is often the case. The ones they still have regrets about. Sometimes they still have time, and sometimes they don't. So why wait? This is a small example from my own life. It probably doesn't sound like a big deal, but I regretted it for a long time, even though I came to understand my actions at the time. About 15 years ago, I wrote to a college professor to apologize for the way I had disappeared when she had wanted me to gain several great opportunities. I didn't have the communication skills that I have now, and instead of just saying, thank you, but I have other plans and other choices, I disappeared. She had done a lot for me, and I carried around regrets about my behavior for a really long time. One day, I looked her up on the internet. Amazingly, she hadn't retired yet. So I wrote to her to thank her and to apologize. I felt lighter not carrying around those regrets any longer. And then, about a year ago, I ran into her in the middle of the night at the Brigham, and I helped her navigate the hospital. We sat and talked and had tea. And I wonder if I would have been able to do that so freely if I hadn't written to her. I hope so, but I suspect that my regrets or embarrassment might have gotten in the way. So why wait? Why carry around your regrets? Is there someone you might write to or call or connect with in some way? Might you lighten the load of regrets that you carry with you? Recently, a patient, right before he headed home for hospice, said he had worked hard to have no regrets so he could rest and be at peace now. He told me he had repaid a debt decades later. He felt that he owed someone $50 and mailed a check and a note. 
The person he wrote to didn't even remember the debt, but also had cancer, doubled the amount, and mailed a donation to the American Cancer Society. More importantly, they reconnected and were offering each other support over the phone and by email. When I asked his permission to share this story, he liked the idea, and he said it would be part of his legacy. He wants others to face death as he did, from a place of peace. Unitarian Universalist minister Forrest Church, in his final book, written when he knew that he was dying, the book is titled Love and Death. He wrote, to be free to accept death is to be free, period. The courage we need comes before, when we face our own demons or reach out across a great divide to touch hands. It is life work, not death work, but it pays great dividends down the line. He goes on to say, so if you need to, put down that drink, or pick up the phone, or take that long postponed trip. You know what your unfinished business is. Don't wait until it's too late to begin taking care of it. Death may come as a thief in the night, but it cannot steal from you the love you have given away, the strength you have shown in facing life's hardships, or the courage you face faced in quitting your own inner demons. In taking care of your unfinished business and in helping your loved ones take care of theirs, you can liberate yourself and them from suffering. Suffering that if you wait too long may one day become intractable, written in indelible ink, darkening the pages of your book of life. Dr. Ira Bayek is a physician who recently retired from Dartmouth Medical School. He says there are four simple statements that are powerful tools for improving both our relationships and our lives. He has shared them with hundreds of dying patients, but emphasized that they apply at any time in our lives. He says, comprising just 11 words, these four short sentences carry the core wisdom of what people who are dying have taught us about what matters most in life. The four sentences are, please forgive me, I forgive you, thank you, I love you. When you care about someone, even if you feel like you are stating the obvious, it is never too soon to say, I love you, thank you, I forgive you, or will you please forgive me? And you can't say these words too often. Why leave anything of such importance unsaid? Life is fragile. I have met countless family members who wish they hadn't waited, who wish they hadn't lost the chance to say what they held in their hearts. When death came unexpectedly, or faster than expected. And I think if we're honest, most of us here would say that we've done the same thing or felt the same way. We've wished that we had shared something.
and I have met countless other family members who have said, with great pain in their voices, that someone, usually a parent, had never said, I love you. So if you're a parent, and this is you, you have time to leave a different legacy. Another patient who had been married for almost 50 years was waiting for a very long and complicated surgery. Her husband had left for the evening without saying he loved her, and this was very hard for her. She was wondering if she would survive the surgery and if she would ever see him again. I asked if he was the type of person who thought his love was obvious and didn't need to be stated. And she said yes, he hadn't said it very often in 50 years. Perhaps you come from a family where feelings were rarely shared. Perhaps you can be the one who changes this family pattern and gives the generations who follow a new legacy. Change is difficult, but possible, as the writer of Autobiography in Five Chapters shows us. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I am lost, I am hopeless, it isn't my fault. It takes forever to find my way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there, but I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault, and it still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three, I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it is there. I fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five, I walk down another street. So I invite you to walk down another street in this new year. I have changed old family patterns myself. I end every call with my daughter by saying, I love you. And if we get cut off, I call back, even if it's just to say, I love you. If anything happens to me unexpectedly, I want the last word she heard me say to her to be, I love you. When we know we are loved, even when we are separated from those we care about, we are strengthened and comforted. So moving on to forgive me and I forgive you. I like these words from Dr. Bayek about forgiveness. Many people confuse forgiveness with exoneration. Forgiveness does not excuse someone from doing something wrong. It does not alleviate their guilt or lessen their transgression. Instead, Forgiveness accepts the past as it was, embraces the present, and faces the future. Forgiveness is a strategy for each of us to lessen the emotional baggage we carry around. Please forgive me and I forgive you can often be the toughest of the four things to say. But the need to forgive and to be forgiven simply means we're not perfect. 
I acknowledge that forgiveness is a process and it can't be rushed or forced. It really deserves its own sermon. So for now, just a reminder that forgiveness can be a passage to a sanctuary of wholeness, to that nurturing place where we feel more intimately connected to the people who matter to us the most. And moving on to thank you. At the end of life, people often have a need to know that they have made a difference. Why wait to tell the important people in your life that they are appreciated? Is there someone who has made a difference in your life that you might thank now rather than later? I have a small ritual where I write a few letters every Thanksgiving to a few people from different times in my life who have made a difference just to say thank you. Often I had thanked them in the moment, but sometimes the influence and impact of a person becomes clearer later or our awareness of their importance becomes clearer over time. I think it would be good to write a few more letters on New Year's Day rather than waiting again until next Thanksgiving. Is there someone you might write to? May Sarton set aside Sunday mornings for her correspondence and called it a religious service devoted to friendship. When life is short, each moment becomes precious. But we don't have to wait for death's approach to realize this truth. No one can tell us how long we will live or when we will die. Our best strategy is to live each day as fully as possible and to not delay letting people know how we feel. I invite you to join me in the next few days and in the new year in finding opportunities to say, I love you, forgive me, I forgive you, and thank you. And to find especially the peace these words will bring us all, both now and later. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We would love to hear from you via email at office at ASCBoston.org or through our Facebook page. If you would like to support the good work of Arlington Street Church, please consider a contribution by checking the mail or through our website, ASCBoston.org.